Amazing Grace Kona welcomes you to today's lesson from Pastor Izzy Manzo. Our prayer is that today's lesson will spiritually feed and uplift you. Now, here's Pastor Izzy. And we'll turn in your Bibles to Matthew chapter 10. We've been studying the words of our Lord to his apostles. I affectionately call the A-team, those first ones that he picked out. And we saw in this chapter, this is his words to them as he's now transferring his authority over sickness, over demons, over any unclean thing, over any any kind of ailment. He gave them, his, now up to this point, remember up to chapter 10, he's been the one who's been doing all the healing. The Lord Jesus himself. Remember the crowds were all coming to him. But at this point in his, we're like rewinding the story to that point when the very first like spreading of the gospel would pass, not just through the Lord himself, but he's going to pass on that anointing to his first uh, of the 12 he had chosen. Now, they're not the only ones that will get this anointing. This is just rewound back to the point in history where they were the first ones, okay? This anointing will spread after this, and he'll send send 70 out in, in pairs just a little bit later in this gospel. And then, of course, we see in the book of Acts, that that anointing will come upon those ones waiting in the upper room, the 120 with all those praying, and then it will spread from there, well, spread all around the globe now. But but I'm just rewinding to the, just put yourself in their shoes back then, okay? Up to this point, Jesus is blowing the, the religious establishments, establishment's mind. Because see, they're religious guys. They They had all these like wise sayings and they quoted things from the scripture, but they didn't, teach with authority. In fact, they, the, the religious guy said of Jesus, who is this guy? He, he speaks with such authority. How does he know this stuff? Now, you guys know. Jesus said, my father, I only say the things, what, what, what did he say? What my father says. I only do the things what my father does. He, his authority came from above. He was tapped in. But this is where we come to, to learn this morning of this early source of power. It's from God's heavenly throne. And we're really invited to that same source to connect to the Lord. Let's see how they're, what the things, what he told them, imparted to them. Now, as he's getting ready to send them out, I've gone over this a few times, but I don't mind because for some reason in the church, this is not heavily emphasized. And I think it causes a lot of problems for people when they step out to try to do something in the Lord because they don't know these first words that the Lord imparted to his apostles. He gave them these words to get them ready, to equip them. He knew what they were going to face. We saw that he said that just like, well, what did they call Jesus when, when, when he cast out the demons right at the end of the previous chapter? Beelzebub, right? They, call, they said he only casts out demons by the, because he's the head of the demons, the leader of the demons. And Jesus told his disciples, now guys, let me tell you, I'm going to give you this authority, this power, and I'm going to send you out. But if they've called me the head of the demons, what are they going to call you? What's he trying to do? He's trying to get them ready for the fact there's a real spiritual battle that goes on. Anyone can give an amen to that? It does happen, doesn't it? And as we go and we share the things of the kingdom of God, there are, there are spirits that fight against it constantly. Now, Jesus said, be ready. I'm going to send you out, he says. And, and I'm in verse 16, if you'll just back up with me, I just want to re- review this for you. I'm going to send you out as sheep in the midst of what? 
of wolves. Now, a sheep in the midst of wolves, is that a good... It doesn't... I mean, come on. A sheep in the midst of wolves, that, that's like saying there's going to be danger. Wolves are out to eat sheep. He says, I'm sending you out, and therefore be shrewd as serpents and innocent as doves. But beware of men, for they'll deliver you up to the courts, they'll scourge you in their synagogues, and you will even be brought before governors and kings for, for my sake, as a testimony to them to the, and to the Gentiles. Now, when they deliver you up to these courts and these kings, what was the next words he told them? This is very important. For all of us, this is something that we should remember from our Lord. This should be mandatory. 101 teaches to all Christians as they get ready to go, just be a light in this world. What should they know? Don't worry about what you're going to say. Why? Who's going to help you? Who's going to fill your mouth with the right things? The Holy Spirit. See, we have a lot of natural man thinking that has crept into the church where people say, well, you got to come to our seminar and you've got to, or, or, or they call it a, they got religious lingo. They say our retreat or our, you know, conference. Make it sound like it's somehow more spiritual. Our gathering. Come and gather with us and we will teach you the prescribed, prescripted answer when someone should ask you something. You know what I say to that? Where is that in this book? See, the, the scripture tells you to be ready to give a defense of the blank that lies within you. What is that four-letter word? The what? The hope. Do you need to have a script to share the hope that you have in your life? What, what's our hope as Christians? What is our deepest hope in our faith? We have, that's right, eternal life. We have everlasting, we have the hope of everlasting life. When someone asks you, what, what are you into this for? I say, because man, I got the hope of everlasting life. Jesus came to give us life and to give it to us more what? Abundantly. I got the greatest hope there is. I don't need a pre-scripted script to share with somebody that I have that hope. It would come off like it, it, it would degrade the hope. If I make up some pre-figured out speech, I just got to share the hope that lies within me. Just say, this is the hope I have. It's that Jesus came to give us everlasting life. Now, when it comes to knowing what to say when you're brought before kings, authorities, don't sweat it. Just look to him. And he says he will give you his spirit. His spirit will give you those words. You don't have to stress about it. The Christians today, they're just, I don't know, they want formulas, methods. They want it, you know, all typed out in a little outline. I'm like, why don't you just stick with what he said? He knows what he's doing. He's been doing this. I mean, he was the first one done it. He knew what he was doing. He was imparting to them what they needed to know. Now, when you go out, watch out. There's wolves. They'll creep amongst you. They'll even enter into the, in, into the sheepfold, the scripture says. Watch out, huh? Got to watch out for them. Now, Jesus goes on and he tells them, you guys, listen, you're not above your master. If they did this to me, what are they going to do to you? I mean, come on, be real. Let's be realistic. If they're going to they're gonna pick on our Lord, we might as well get used to the idea. But how much value, how much value are you to the Lord? We've got to remember this. What do you say? More than the sparrows, right? He said, not even, a, not even one sparrow. Here we go. There they are, on, just on cue. He said that, and see, see him come right over there? That's just a, 
visual aid for you, visual learners. You know, the Lord just flies them in on command. He knows. I love it. He says, look at the birds of the air. Neither do they sow nor do they reap, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Not one of them falls to the earth without his concern, without his knowing. Now, how much more value? Let, look at that in verse 29. How much more value are you than these very birds? Hmm? If not two sparrows are sold, not even for a farthing, a portion of a cent. We say a cent in English because it's our smallest little coin. Such a small, inconsequential amount. And yet God has concern for that. How much more value are you than the birds? You guys know that in the Bible, in the beginning of the book, it says that God created man in whose image? In his. He didn't create the birds in his image, the, the, the animals. No, he created man. The, 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 that was to signify, look, in value relation, which is worth more to the Lord? You're created in his image. And not even one very hair of your head, verse 30 says, not one hair. He knows that every hair of your head, they're all numbered. That's how, that's how much he's in, acquainted with us, how much he knows us, how well he knows. Now, the Bible says he's mindful of us that our frame is but dust. He knows that we're not the strongest thing, but he also knows that we, we can lean on him. We can go to him. When we're weak, what did Paul say? When I'm weak, then I am what? Strong. Why? Because he realized his source of strength wasn't himself. His source of strength was his heavenly father. He had to learn that. That's a good thing for men to learn, by the way. For men to really learn our source of strength is the Lord. Now, Jesus went on where he said, If every one of you that therefore confesses me before men, I confess you before who? My Father. That's a nice thing. That day when he says, Yep, Cindy's mine. She confessed me. Dottie's mine. George's mine. Mine, 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 mine. Those ones that all confessed me before men, I had confessed them before my father. Wow, talk about a cool thing, huh? Now, what's the next verse say? Everyone who denies me before men, what does it say? I will deny him. This is not, this does not um leave room for wishy-washiness. Like, like, oh, maybe I'll think about it later. No, just make, get on the right side of the fence, right? This is what I tell people. You don't know how long you got. We don't know. The Bible says today is the good and acceptable day of salvation. You want to pick a good day to get saved? Today. Don't wait till, you know, some people say, oh, I'm going to do it later. I'm going to, I'm going to, maybe tomorrow or, or maybe in a year from now. If I'm, I had one fellow tell me, if I'm still here a year from now, he did this, really. He said, if I'm here, you're, you know, you're getting to me, Pastor. Every year we come here on vacation, I hear you preach and, if, and I tell, and his wife tells me that he goes back to the mainland and tells they don't go to church on the mainland. He won't even set foot in a church. He likes, he likes our, you know, sanctuary here. He goes home. And he tells them, "Yeah, I got my churches in Hawaii." He says, and "If I live till next year, I'm going to have Pastor Izzy baptize me." And his wife's like, "Oh, he's getting old, you know. Oh God, just keep him breathing another year." He came back he came back a year later. Now this has been some years back, but he came back and he was he was going 
they stopped by the house before the Sunday. I said, are, are you, remember your, your, and his wife's been already emailing me and calling me, we're coming, we're coming. Remember what he said? Would you remind him what he said? I said, did you already remind him? She said, yes. I said, don't worry about it then. When he gets here, I say to him, I said, so are we baptizing you Sunday? He says, I told you if I was still breathing. His wife's behind him just grinning. Yay. You know, this is a big deal to her. She's been praying for him for years. I think some 50 years she prayed for her husband. So <laughs> that Sunday, that was the Sunday it was pouring rain. Pouring everywhere. And, and Wally, uh, when Wally and Julie were here, they, he calls me from up on the mountain. He says, it is, it's, it's socked in. I said, I know, but I made this couple promise that I would baptize the guy if he came back and they're going to only be here this Sunday. And I, I don't care. Let's just go, even if i got to baptize him by, you know, some churches say sprinkle him. We'll just count the rain as sprinkling and immersion, you know, double double baptize him. Let's go do it. And, and uh, <laughs> I said, I know it's crazy. We'll just put we'll put up one tent. Forget the sound stuff. You know, we'll just we'll just set up a tent and stand underneath of it, and and we'll go and, and baptize this fellow. Well, we, we come down here. I kid you not. There's one hole in the sky, like right over there, and a ray of sunshine, and it's raining over there in the walking track. It's raining. It's raining on the water by the rock, but it's not raining from the bathrooms to past the Sunday school. There's one hole right here is dry. With sun just shining in. I said, well, let's go. We got, you know, God is God. When you got an appointment and he's setting it up, this is where we got to learn to trust him, to walk in those things. So we we come, do the sermon, everything, sing songs, do the whole thing, go out to the water, baptize him, come in, load up everything. Get in our car and start to drive, and we don't get to the end where that little yellow barricade is at the end of the runway there, and the wall of water just passes over my truck with the trailer behind. And, and Wally's in the truck behind me. I call him, so what do you think of this? He just starts laughing. He's like, no one's going to believe. I mean, like literally, the Lord kept the rain away from just just this spot. I mean, literally, the rest of the ride home was soaked. And the Lord knew there was an appointment. Now, I remember these things because the Bible says, mark this day. Set a, set a marker. Remember these things what I have done. It's good for your faith. It strengthens it. To remember, we serve a living God who can even hold back the rain. When there's an appointment, there's an appointment. Don't worry. He's still God. And we need to remember, how much value are you to the Lord? That was a very special thing to do. That, that, that sister has since gone to be with the, with the Lord. I know that that was a great thing for her to be able to die knowing her husband had confessed his faith. For her, it was like the most important thing to her of all things. Because she knew this verse. If you, if you confess me before men, I will confess you before my father. That's a big deal. Well, last week I took you to the next part of the passage, which Jesus quoted from, from the, the minor prophet Micah. This one who was the prophet to the southern kingdom of Israel. This is in the days when Israel had divided. They actually had a civil war. They had a southern kingdom, what we call Judah. The northern kingdom, what was called Israel. The, 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 and, and it was broken up 
basically for ease for your mind, ten tribes to the north and the two in the south. It's actually two and a half and nine and a half, but you know, it's okay. Don't get picky. Just just so you get the idea. The 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 northern kingdom, however, back then, this is about seven hundred twenty five BC. Seven hundred twenty five years before Christ came. Micah was prophesying to the southern kingdom, thereby Jerusalem. And he was speaking to them these things, what God desired of man. You know, he says in Micah 6, verse 8, He has shown thee, O man, what is good. And what does the Lord require of thee? What does God require of us? Three things. We sing it in a song, by the way. It makes it easy for us to remember. Do justly, love what? Mercy, and walk humbly with your God. That's what he... Micah was telling now Micah was telling this to the southern kingdom because the northern kingdom had rebelled against God. And God had sent them prophet after prophet to tell them, you guys have got to knock it off. It's gonna, you know, when you disobey, is there ever a consequence to our disobedience? Oh yeah. The Bible says that whom the the Lord loves, every every son whom he loves, he does what? He disciplines. Now you can say, well, that's not fair, but listen, it's because he loves you. Who here's ever felt like the Lord gave him a spiritual swat? You know, spanking, straightened you up a little. Yeah? That's because he loves you. Don't take that like, oh man, he was mad. It's he he cares about you. Now Israel, he looked at as his child too, and yet they were they were a rebellious child. Bible tells us they were stiff necked. You know what stiff necked is, right? Stubborn. Not that we're ever stubborn, just them, right? What's this name? First Corinthians chapter ten? All things that happened to Israel happened to them for whose instruction? Ours. <laughs> Don't ever think like we're any different. We can be just as stubborn, just as rebellious. But God is faithful. He kept sending the prophets to them, and they kept telling them to repent. The northern kingdom didn't, though. So the Assyrians, God allowed them to come and capture them and take them away into captivity. The kids were asking me, what's the big deal? I said, well... You don't understand the Syrians. There were whole there were whole nations that they committed Harry Carry. You know they killed themselves rather than be captured by the Assyrians. Right after they took the city, the Assyrians what they would do to the men: line the guys up, chop off their thumbs and their big toes, and they'd strip them naked and they put a fish hook through the private parts with a chain, and they would hook them in this big long chain, and they would tow them, make them walk, being pulled along back to Syria, where if they survived the march. That's where they became indentured servants. Some of them got their eyes. If you looked wrong at the Assyrians, they would poke out your eyes. A lot of times you talk back, off went the tongue. They had no problem with dispatching parts of their captors' bodies. It meant nothing to them. And this one guy, Micah, he stands up in the southern kingdom there by Jerusalem. And he tells the southern kingdom, Judah, he says, you guys, men of Judah, listen up. If you don't take note and learn from what happened to your brothers in the north, then the same thing's going to come to you. If you think God's going to judge them, but he's not going to judge you for your wickedness, wake up. He's shown you, oh man, what is good. And what does the Lord require thee? He's shown you to do justly. Justly, just. Do what is right. Justly, it means right in the sight of who? Of God, not in the sight of man. Do what's right in his sight. Do justly, love mercy, and walk humbly with your God. Now, he's trying to get them to have the right focus. Did, did anyone still got their finger in Micah chapter 7? 
Let me show you what happens. Verse 18. What kind of God is God? Well, it says here, who is a God like thee, who pardons iniquity, who passes over rebellious acts of the remnant of his possession? He does not retain his anger forever because he delights in unchanging love. He will again have compassion on us. He will tread our iniquities underfoot. Yes, thou will cast their sins into the depths of the sea. I'm not talking the little shallows or wash back up on you. I'm talking the deepest, darkest, put it in the Adriatic Trench. God wants to wash away our sin. Now, this is the passage from Micah, what Jesus quotes as he's getting them ready to go out. Hey, guys, I'm going to send you out, but um, they might reject you. They might be like wolves going to eat you. You might even have enemies of your own household. Jesus knew what he was talking about, guys. He's getting ready to send them out, but he's got to get them to where their focus is right. See, in this world, it's so easy to shift our focus to the wrong thing. Let me show you. What focus does he want them to have? Not a focus on the house, on the family, on the how well people like you or how they treat you in public. No. No, what focus does he say to have? Look at this. He who loves his father or mother more than me, not worthy of me. Who's supposed to be priority number one here? Our Heavenly Father, right? And he says, And he who does not take his own up his own what? Cross. He, he does not follow me after me. He's not worthy of me. He who has found his life shall lose it. But he who will lose his life for my sake, he shall find it. For he who receives you receives me. He who receives me, well, he receives him who sent me. And he who receives a prophet in the name of a prophet, well, he'll receive a prophet's reward. He who receives a righteous man in the name of a righteous man, well, he'll receive a righteous man's reward. And whoever, he says, whoever in the name of a disciple would give even one of these little ones a cup of cold water in my name. What does he say? Truly, he shall not lose his reward. He'll reward you. Now, he's trying to get them to have the right focus. The focus isn't the kudos you're going to get here from people. Okay, don't do that. It will make you have heartache. When you go to do godly service, understand one thing. Where is your reward going to come from? From God. You need to know this because sometimes down here while you're doing the good deeds that God has prepared for you to walk in, you're going to get rejected. You're going to get stiff-armed. You're going to have people be mean to you. And if you're looking at it, Like, I'm doing this good to them. They should be nice back to me. Forget it. You're going to be disappointed. What instead I should teach you is what Jesus taught his, what he taught his A-team. I'm sending you guys out to do these good works of God. But you know what? They're like wolves and you're a sheep. Be shrewd. Wake up. They might come after you. They might try to bite and devour you. They might not do nice things to you. But where is our reward? See, if you remember where your reward is, Jesus told his disciples, don't store up treasures on earth. Moth and rust destroy, thieves thieves break in and steal. Where do you store up your treasure? In heaven. And and by the way, don't ever lie and say, well, I don't care. As long as I get in, it's good enough. What do I need treasure for? That's one of the American lame-o lines. You go anywhere else and you tell them, you know, the Lord says store up your treasure in heaven. 
no moth, no rust will destroy, no thieves will break. And they say, all right. You tell an American Christian, they're like, oh, who cares? As long as I get in, it's good enough. What do I need treasure for? Let me tell you why you need treasure. What does Jesus say? Where your treasure is, there your something will be also. What will be there? Your heart. You know, our hearts are wired for treasure. And he knows the treasures down here don't last. I mean, we go after treasures down here, don't we? We got whole shows. But why will we even watch something like that? Think about it. Because our heart is drawn toward what? Treasure. And Jesus knew that about us. And he says, put your heart where? In heaven. That's where the treasure that lasts. And guys, when you give even a cup of water to a little one in his name, you say, here you go. Do you know that the Lord sees that? I'm in it for the reward. Don't be fooled. I'm not in it reward from you here. I'm in it for a reward up there. But see, we, we're, supposed to, we're supposed to put our treasure up there because that's where our heart will be. And it's a really important thing for us today. So much stuff competing for our heart. So much stuff trying to draw our heart away. Same what was happening to Israel when Micah was writing those things. Watch out. Don't let these things draw you away. Watch out. Even your own family can draw you away. Jesus, you got to keep me first. Amazing Grace Kona thanks you for listening to today's lesson. If your travels take you to Kailua Kona on the Big Island of Hawaii, come visit us. We meet Sunday mornings, 9 a.m., on the beach at the north end of the old Kona Airport. For more information about Amazing Grace Kona, go to our website, AmazingGraceKona.com. Amazing Grace Kona is the original Calvary Chapel Kona.